0: We often talk about how life has no rule book. there is no guide to help you navigate it and honestly, there is no roadmap that any of us can truly follow that is completely foolproof. But as a parent, I find that life is so much easier to navigate than parenthood. Hello, my name is Silvia Polani, and welcome to the Workplace Revolution. Today I've got a special guest with me who's going to help us unpack this topic of parenthood. I'll be sitting and having a conversation with Joey Lamini, who is a renowned parenting expert with a passion for normalizing the imperfect journey of parenting. As a mother of three and a qualified social worker, Joey has learned the value of parenting with compassion and connection. Through her own childhood experiences, she is the founder of Be Accentuated, a non-profit organization that provides a space where all genders can thrive. With her candid and practical advice, Joey challenges parents to connect with her children on a deeper level. Her dedication, hard work, and determination to raise well-rounded, confident children inspired her to write her very first book, The Teen Top 25, Foundational Life Lessons for a Thriving Journey to Adulthood. The book aims to start conversations between parents and children as they learn from each other and walk this journey together. Joey also works to help people unlearn and challenge limiting beliefs through her teachings on personal growth and development. She believes in the power of having real, honest conversations and safe spaces and is dedicated to providing a platform for people to heal and grow together. As a speaker and facilitator, Joey encourages people to embrace their imperfections and focus on building connections and living their best lives. Joey, welcome to the Workplace Revolution. Thank you so much for having me here. Thank you. It's an absolute pleasure. So let's start at the beginning. I mean, you and I met last year. Yes, yes. We both happened to be speaking at an event. um, And I was just really intrigued by your passion. Right, your passion for sharing knowledge, your passion for connection and communication, and sharing experiences, um, but also just your warmth—you so easily just embrace people <laughs> in every space that you, and you always have this incredible smile that just you know brings out all of the sunshine from you. But where did it all begin for you? So I know you're a, a social worker, right? What drew you? that particular field of work? I think my
1: upbringing, mm-hmm. I'm originally from Limpopo, Bela. So I was raised by a single mom. And I remember as a young person, I was a child, when they asked what do you want to do when you grow up, I said a social worker. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I had no idea what they were doing. But I don't know, because I think everyone was saying they're helping people. Mm. I wanted to do that and come to think of it at that time it did not make sense mm. because like we were poor poor mm. so it did not make sense how can I think that I can help other people when myself I don't have those resources mm. I think it started from that age but when I went to varsity I did not study that I actually did marketing and HR because you know they will tell you you need to follow money I wanted money, (laughs) (laughs) guys. Yeah, Yeah, I wanted money. So there was no space for passion. So after I had my second baby, I think it was around 2013, that's when, yeah, 2013, that's when I decided that I want to go back to school and study social work because it was just calling me. It was something that, that was within me. I just want to help. I just want to make a difference. So that's what happened.
0: I'm so I'm always so curious about the passions that people have, right? The 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 thing that they feel as their calling. Yeah. Um, because I know from my own experience the work that I'm doing now was really even though it may have been somewhere deep inside of me, unconsciously yes. so but it was brought into my consciousness because of the experiences that I had in the workplace and it triggered yeah. you know, my intentionality with doing this kind of work. So would you say that your upbringing and your experiences growing up and not having the assistance and support that you would have liked to have is actually what kind of brought that passion to the fore for you?
1: Absolutely, because I remember even growing up, I was that child who wanted to start organizations. I was, uh, you know, I was starting, I had an NPO, I remember, (laughs) but it was not registered. So we used to call it Youth Against AIDS and Child Abuse. That was at the start of HIV and AIDS. Mm -hmm. And we wanted to be part of it. So I've always wanted to make a difference. And I think it's because when I was looking at my own upbringing, at the injustices, there was something inside of me that was saying that, You have to do something, even though it did not make sense. And I think later on, when I had my second born, I realized that somehow after having my first child, I lost myself. And, you know, when you are adulting, you start thinking like, okay, I need stability. I can't leave my job. I need to take care of my child. There's no room for passion There is room for doing what you need to do so that you can get a salary at the end of the month. But after I had Tiamo, I was like, no, there has to be a way. There has to be a way for me to continue doing what I love while also getting my salary somehow.
0: (laughs) (laughs) At the beginning. It needs to meet somewhere. Yeah, Yeah, it has to meet somewhere. You know, you raise such an interesting point because so often, so many of us, Um, when we get into adulthood and we start our careers, kind of have this disconnect that exists, that says to us, if you want to make money, you must do this. You can't make money from a passion. Now, as people who are raising children and as people who have lived and experienced this and this disconnect that you feel between I need to make a living and I happen to be good at what I'm doing, but this is where my heart actually is, and this is what is fulfilling for me. How have you been able to have those kinds of conversations with your children?
1: Uh, I will start with my older son, because he's 18. So we've been talking about it. At first, I was so horrible. Because of my own upbringing, everything for me was academics, mm-hmm. you know? you need to choose maths. you need cho- to choose physics and science and whatever. But I think with age, you realize that if you are not happy, if what you are doing is not aligned to who you are, then it does not make sense. Mm-hmm. So I had to unlearn first that it's not about hard work, it's not about academics only. And then it helped me when I was speaking to my son to understand where he is. I remember we had this conversation and he was like, you want me to be the most pe- the most perfect child ever? And I was like, what's wrong with that? <laughs> 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 you know, it's like, what's wrong with that? What's wrong with being a perfect child? But I had to go back to my own journey, and realize that there's something wrong with me. Why do I feel that he has? it has to be about his performance, not about who he is? Mm-hmm. So now he likes art, he likes drawing, uh, he likes editing. So now I'm telling him that find what you love, baby. The rest will come. And fortunately for him, he has parents who will be able to support him. Unlike with me, I was the first in my family to go to reach even varsity, to even pass metrics. So I did not have that leisure to say, let me follow my passion. I had to get a job so that, because other people depended on me. But for him, because we are here, we are busy making sure that he has the resources to support who he is and what he wants to do. There is that difference. So our conversation is different. Even when he, he comes with a bad mark, it's not the end, unlike before. So we are able to speak about it. Okay, what happened? What can you do differently? How do you feel about it? While before, I think I was too attached to his marks, mm-hmm. and it's because of how I was raised also.
0: You know, the way in which we are raised is one of the biggest factors that influence how we parent, yeah. right? Because you can find that there are people who will duplicate what they experienced you know and they'll say things like well I turned out fine so you know Um, (laughs) and yet you look at the state of our society and actually we are not fine No, Um, and also the and I even see this now a lot so I watch a lot of (laughs) K-dramas and I see this a lot and it's common in our societies as well where a family pins its you know, it, it's, it's, it's clout in, within society on the performance of their children. Not who they are, not what they can contribute to the world, but are you doing better than that family? Are we going to be a family that's considered more successful because of how you perform? And so there's this burden yeah. that is placed on children from a very young age to perform, perform, perform. You have to produce high marks. You have to, you have to, you have to. And even when I became a mom... I, so I was an academically prone person, even though I'm also a creative. I just was able to balance the two. Um, but my daughter is very different. She's also very creative. She's very expressive. And, you know, I had to really be conscious about not trying to make her me. Yeah. Right? Not trying to make her the kind of student i was or to think the way that i think or yeah. any, and, and it's a, it's a hard thing to it do is. right um to be able to just kind of relinquish control and see yourself in your role as a parent more as a support and you kind of keep them safe but give them the space and the room to figure out their life and their path for themselves it is. It is very hard.
1: I think I'm still struggling with it. You know, uh, we will have days where we fight because you know, unlike us, they talk. Mm-hmm. They they will tell you, hey, they will tell you, that, <laughs> <laughs> they will say things. And I'm like, hi, when uh, I didn't, I didn't talk to my mom like that. But when you are honest, you, when you are honest, you can reflect and say he is right. He's got a point. You know, and I think also. One thing that my son helped me with, the issue of hard work. I was one of those people, I will go to work when I'm sick. Mm. Like, I will drag myself. So he has helped me to understand that it's not about performance only. Like, I'm still available without performing, mm. you know. So I'm unlearning while busy raising him, while busy reflecting and identifying that, okay, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I need to understand where he is. And I think what has helped me is to understand that he is not me. Mm. Because I think as parents, we put so much pressure on ourselves. And also so- society, they do. Because when your child is acting out, they ask, What is ma?" Then he's like, it's Joey's child. Oh, Joey, the one who's a social worker. Look at her child. You know, she's busy busy telling us about unlearning. Meanwhile, her child is doing one, two, three. But I had to understand that my child, he has his own journey. And sometimes he's going to make mistakes. And it's okay. Right now, the good thing about me, I have experience. So sometimes we judge their mistakes based on our experience.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. I want to touch on what you mentioned around the fact that these kids will talk, right? Um, I mean, our generation and the generations before us, there were just certain things that we would never say to our parents. We wouldn't disagree, debate. You you kind of just do what you're told. Otherwise, you're going to get a hiding or you'll be punished in some way. Um, And what has been interesting for me has been observing how kids will communicate now this generation and I love it for them that they will Mm. communicate their needs they will communicate what they don't want they will communicate their boundaries and because it's something we're not used to we then say this child is disrespectful yeah purely because they have a different view from yours And they deviating from your plan for their life. Yes,
1: yes. How dare they?
0: How dare they? You know what? (laughs) How dare you talk back? And then we expect these same people to be able to go out into the world and they're adults and be able to be assertive and and stand their ground and you know have be of good character. But we haven't given them the space to be able to develop those skills at home, which is where they're supposed to be able to feel safe enough yes. to be able to speak up and to stand up for what they believe in.
1: Exactly. And it is so funny for me because people and people get angry. Like every time when I talk about, you know what, you must be excited about the fact that your kids are asking questions. Mm-hmm. The fact that your kids are saying no and what you are saying later on, my heart breaks every time when I'm at work and, and I see adults who are unable to talk back for themselves, who are unable to communicate even simple things. It's because they were never given that opportunity to know that it's okay for you to talk. It's okay for you to ask questions. So it is not an easy thing, especially because for us, you are busy healing while raising this child. So it will trigger you, but you must be okay with the fact that it is going to be uncomfortable. Mm. But we need to raise different kids. I completely believe that we need to raise different kids if we want different results. It can be the same with us. We can be learning how to say no when we are adults. We can be learning how to set boundaries when we are adults. So with our kids, it must start now, even if it's not easy for us to hear. And they are very good. Like my four-year-old already, she knows how to say no. She's very good. Her no is no. Even when I try to persuade her, like, Asa, what, what, Mama, no. I don't want to.
0: And that's it. Mm. (laughs) You see, and even even that, that when kids are able to say no, still wanting to persuade them and not taking that no as the end of the conversation is a, a, you know a mistake that so many of us as parents make and i i've certainly made it many times but i had to learn very quickly to understand that this is something that she doesn't want to do she's not comfortable with it it's violating yes. her you know her her individual right and you know um having to overcome that and not falling into the trap of but if she doesn't do it, what are other people going to say? You know, even things like a, a family friend or an, an aunt or a grandmother comes and says, oh, come give me a hug and a kiss. And your child is like, no. And I'm yeah. like, oh, come on, yeah. just give them a, you know, we're violating their yes, boundaries. we
1: are, we are. I actually did a post where I was saying that kids do not owe anyone instant connection. Mm. Like we do not have to feel bad because your child does not want to give that person a hug or they don't know them like that. Mm -hmm. And it's okay. And they need to end their trust. Mm -hmm. So what I'm doing on my side when I meet someone's child, I don't expect instant connection from them. Mm -hmm. So the mom will be like, oh, she's shy. I'm like, no, it's fine. I'm a stranger. She doesn't know me. So it's also on us as a society to start normalizing. Don't make parents feel bad or apologize for their kids' behavior. When you are, I'm a stranger, even if you know with social media, I will know someone's child because I see them online, but I don't really know them. So when I see them, I'll be like, hi, they don't know me. So I should not be oh, this child is so rude. They are not being rude. They've got a right. We need to end their trust. And I love that you mentioned that because I think for us, it's very difficult, especially when they are our elders. They feel like, no, kids are supposed to just greet or they're supposed to hug or whatever. But they will have to adjust. We have to respect
0: our kids, right? And they are not harming anyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, I'm the same. Even kids of friends or, you know, nieces and nephews, before I hug, I will ask, can I give you a hug? I will always ask for permission because they have to consent to me coming into their personal space. And I think it's such an empowering thing to be able to show children that even though I am this close to you, I still have to ask for your permission. Because then it sets the tone for them for their future relationships to be able to know that actually people, mu- I must expect people, I must require yes. people to ask for permission to enter my personal space. That is so true. Hey?
1: I just You just reminded me of something. You know, when we have guests, I will just invite people. People will come and then now they need to use one of the, my kids' bedroom. I will never think that I must ask. Because, you know, we grew up where we were sharing. Like, everyone can just use whoever's item without asking. But I had to realize that, no, it's wrong. Mm-hmm. As much as I will not be comfortable with someone coming to my bedroom and sleeping, why do I think it's okay for someone else to come and sleep in my child's bedroom without asking how do they feel about it? Are they okay with it? Like, they
0: are small things, but they do matter. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, uh, you know, a few years ago, so I followed Dr. Shafali um, oh, yes, yes. um, who really has very interesting views around conscious parenting. And I think it was from her that I first heard that term. Um, and it's really helped me a lot in my journey as a parent um, and in enabling me to be able to foster a deep, meaningful connection with my daughter. Um, and now we, we see terminology changing all the time and now we're talking about gentle parenting Yeah, and it is dribbling people all over the world. <laughs> <laughs> so for people who don't really understand what gentle parenting is, cause so often I see people saying, oh, so it means that there's no rules or there's no guidelines or they can just do what they want and they can be disrespectful and da, 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 da. Yeah. What does gentle parenting actually mean?
1: Yeah, you are so right. I think, you know, when it comes to terms, everyone is going to interpret it the way they see fit. Mm -hmm. So for me, gentle parenting, I actually, sometimes I'll say I'm a conscious parent. Sometimes I'm saying gentle, it depends on who I'm talking to. For me, gentle parenting, it simply means being aware of the child. You know, you are not treating your child as a thing. Or as someone who is so imperfect, someone who needs to be corrected, someone who needs you to mold them, you know, but you believe that they are good as they are and they are growing. So you are guiding and supporting them. But it's not from that place where you feel that you are superior as the adult. You know better. And this child is a little monster who needs you to take out the bad things so that they can be the perfect human being that they are are supposed to be. But it's believing that as they are right now, they are good and they are worthy of respect. Mm. And please, there is discipline. Mm. But I think a lot of people, they abuse discipline. They, they think discipline, it means you must beat your child, uh, you must always be fixing them. But discipline is teaching your child and correcting them, but from a place of love, not from a place of fear and hate. Because we are also learning. That is why we are doing all these thing, the coaching, the personal development, because we are aware that we haven't arrived. So why do we expect kids to have arrived already?
0: Absolutely. You know, the whole thing about... The, the discipline aspect is, is such an important one. And I remember, it's probably about, I don't know, maybe towards the end of last year, I happened to come across a TikTok, which I found very disturbing, mm. um, where a mother had, um, it was an African-American woman, and her daughter had not performed well at school, some test or something like that. And she did a live where she was admonishing this child for her performance. And all you care about is looking pretty and wearing makeup. Um, oh, you think you all of that? I'm going to teach you a lesson. And she proceeded to cut her child's hair, shave her child's head live. So there's the shame. Mm. There's the humiliation, public humiliation on a public platform because it's not just the mothers mm. platform that it's on people are going to record it they're going to share it on other platforms have more conversations about it and it just keeps it going and going and so her friends see it her teachers see it every you know what i mean and then there was this outcry because a lot of people spoke up and said this is wrong this is inappropriate this is abusive because Mm, mm. let's call it what it is it's abuse yes um and she then posted a video of her and her daughter um saying you know laughing it off and saying oh my gosh all of these people on social media saying that i'm abusing you i've never heard anything so insane am i abusing you What is the child going to say? Obviously. You shaved her head on social media. Is she actually going to say, actually,
1: Yeah, you are abusing me. And what happens offline? Because we are only seeing if she's able to shave her head there, what else is she doing offline?
0: Hmm. Absolutely.
1: And I think this thing of social media, for me, I have such an issue when... Like even simple things, when I'm posting my kids, I'm always mindful. You know, sometimes there are a funny moment, they do something, and it's so cute. But I'm always mindful to ask them, are you comfortable with me posting this? Because for my teenager, he's a teenager now, some of his friends, they are already online. They come to my page. So if I'm busy saying, oh, he did one, two, three, then they see it. Then next thing, they are going to be making fun of him at school. So we need to be aware of the actions that we are taking, as cute as it might look for me, Mm -hmm. but how will it come across for my child? And that one is totally wrong. Mm -hmm. For me, I don't understand why would you think that it's okay for you to discipline your child online Mm -hmm. and the intention behind it. Mm -hmm. You wanted to harm him. You know, you, and that's my issue with discipline. Punishment is actually, Mm. a lot of us, we are doing it from a place of, I want to harm you. I want you to feel pain, but people will be like, oh, that was done to me and I turned out okay. Mm. And I always say, did you really turn out okay? Mm. The fact that you think that this Mm. is okay, it shows how traumatized you were and it shows how affected that you were. So for me, nothing justifies it. Mm. And like, where in that moment, when I'm busy shouting at my child, and I'm like, "Oh, I'm going to take a video," like how, you know, it, like I'm going to take a video and record you, mm. so it shows that also there is a need, maybe from me as a parent, I want to go viral mm. through my child's feeling shame, ashamed or humiliated because. I don't get it. Like, how do you think about it? It's like fighting with your partner. Do I ever do that to him? Do I think that, okay, we are fighting. I'm going to get a camera. I'm going to show people how I'm fighting with you. Look at me screaming at him. Mm. So it shows also that as a society, we don't respect kids. Mm. That is why we can be able to do something like that and get away with it. Mm.
0: Absolutely. So you wrote this book, yes, right? And it is... (laughs) a tool that you intended to help parents navigate their relationships with their children in a healthier way, right? And obviously relationships work both ways. So what can you do differently? What can your child do differently? And where do you meet each other in the middle? Tell us a little bit more about some of the things or some of the lessons that you have learned that parents will be able to get from your book?
1: I think the first lesson, because it's not only, I actually prefer for the parents to read it with their child, because there are questions at the end of each chapter. So my favorite one is, parents are human beings too. Mm -hmm. Because I think sometimes for kids, They only see this person who's always, who's got it together. You know, they are going to work. They've got this car. They've got the house and everything. They forget to see that there is a person behind the mom role or the the father role. So on that chapter, I'm asking them, go to your parent, ask them, what were their dreams before they had you? Mm. What did they want to become? Because also for Our parents, that was not something they talked about. And I realized this after I lost my mom. When I was writing this book, I realized that I did not know what my mom wanted to be before she had me. Mm. And she had me when she was a teenager. Then at that time, she stopped going to school. But I never asked her, okay, what did you want to be? You know, I, I was not interested in that. I was just focused on she's here, she loves us, she's taking care of us, she is supporting us. So I just want to humanize parents for kids, Mm. you know, so that when they are communicating, they come from that place that there is a human being, there is someone who has her own fears, her struggles, and et cetera. Then that allows the parents also, when you are talking to your child, instead of being this person who feels that when you know everything, you now start being more vulnerable, You now start saying that the reason maybe I'm shouting at you is because I'm afraid you are a girl child, you are a boy child. I'm worried that if you are out there, should something happen to you because you did not communicate, what am I going to do? Can we please communicate better? So, instead of us shouting at each other, now you are setting rules. There is also a topic about friendships, something that we did not talk about, you know. (laughs) We just start having friends, and then when things are not going well, you realize that what's happening. And also technology is one of the topics, because it's a huge one. Mm -hmm. I, I continue to fight with my son about technology, because technology is a lot. As much as I understand the benefits, but... It can be something that consumes you. Mm. So I'm very honest with him that the reason why I want to monitor how you use your phone, it's because even for me as an adult, it's a challenge. I can end up being online just scrolling, Mm. you know. So I don't want you to fall into that trap. Mm. Hence, we need to put guidelines on how do you use it. Mm. So those are some of, and also setting goals from an early age, And the issue of purpose, a lot of us, purpose is the buzzword now, you know, Mm. but I want it to be different for our kids. They should know from an early age that I have a reason why I'm here. Mm. There is purpose for me and I don't need to discover it when I'm older. I can start from where I am. There is a reason why I am here and I'm living it. Mm. Those are some of the chapters.
0: Yeah, I love that. And even from, a, you know, obviously we want to protect our children as best we can, right? We know what's happening yeah. in the world. We know what it's like. Um, you know, I often see comments around how men will have daughters, for instance, and say things like, I know how boys are right i hate that (laughs) and it's just like okay so what are you doing about it outside of the house you know what what are the conversations that you're having with your friends that keeps perpetuating the cycle um and certainly for me i mean my daughter's 18 now lord yeah (laughs) and she's going out and you know she's venturing into the early stages of adulthood and this independence and I've had to navigate okay she's in a different chapter now so what does that then mean in terms of how I parent Um, because I want her to have the freedom to explore life for herself and to have experiences. But at the same time, how do I keep her safe within that context? And so there's been a lot of conversations around, what are you interested in? What do you want to do? Oh, you want to go out? Oh, where are you going to go? Oh, who are you going to go with? Okay, you know, how do we keep you safe? How do we communicate when you're not at home? Yeah. What do you look out for? And one of the things that I've always reinforced with her for a few years now, because obviously I knew 18 was coming. Yeah. (laughs) One of the things that I always reinforced with her was it doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter what time it is. It doesn't matter whether you had permission or not, or you had told me or not, whether you had lied or not. If you need me, pick up the phone and I will be there because that is my job keeping you safe is my job not why didn't you tell me that you know and it has made such a positive impact because she feels safe to tell me anything
1: and everything
0: exactly right and i think that's what we should be aspiring to as parents because that's really the the height of true connection yeah with your children to be able to have those conversations and to be able to say you know if she wants to go somewhere and you go well I know that area I'm not particularly comfortable with it and this is the reasons why you know be honest yeah you know and not have this kind of speaking about you know behind myths or experiences that they can't relate to because then they don't understand why you have that perspective
1: yeah, no, I absolutely love that. And I think it's so important for us. That is why we are trying to change, because you want your child to feel safe. You want your child to say that, I know that my mom is going to come. Mm-hmm. I know that when I say mom, she's going to forget everything. And for them to feel safe enough to know that my mom might be angry, but she's going to be there. And that's where I am with my kids, because... I have told them that they need to be honest. If you break something, tell me. If you did something, tell me. Mm -hmm. As much as I will be, obviously I'm a human being, I'll be disappointed, but I'm not going to be angry. Mm -hmm. There is a difference because you are being honest. Mm -hmm. And there was this time my son Tiamo, he broke his tablet. So when I came back, like he was down, you know, that thing that I'm preparing myself. So then... He came and told me that, okay, mama, you know, when I was playing with my tablet, so it fell. And I said, oh, so what happens? Like, okay, I'm saying, okay, sorry. You know, mama, I didn't want to tell you. But Ogi said, mom will understand. She's not going to be angry. Mm -hmm. And that was like, that's it. We want our kids to know that home is safe. Mm -hmm. Even if I do not agree with my parents, but it is safe. I can trust their heart for me. Mm -hmm. And I remember with my mom when I started dating, like she was traumatized and she was like, you know what, we are going to, we must go to the clinic, you must get contraceptives. Yeah. And I said, why? Why? Why, why must, no, I get a watch all. And I'm like. Yeah, I'm dating but we are not having sex and I think I was like I I was just too outspoken for, (laughs) because it was not a thing but I sat her down and I explained to her that mama I know our situation I know what happened with you I'm not going to make the same mistake I'm going to I'm not going to fall pregnant you know and I want to go to school I want to change our home situation you have to trust me so I'm not going to take contraceptives and she was like okay I'm going to trust you. Our relationship changed then. And she trusted me. And because she trusted me, even when I came to Jobeck, I was not, like, nothing really made me feel like, oh, I need to do one, two, three, because I had the freedom before I came to Mm Jobeck. When I was home, if I said, my friends and I, they want to go to a club, She will allow me. We will go and come back. And it turned out that I don't like clubs. It's too loud for me. I want to talk. I want to hear what the other person is (laughs) saying. But if she did not give me that freedom, I would have thought that I'm missing out. And I was just going to go and end up doing things that were worse. But because she gave me the freedom, I did not need to prove anything. So sometimes, as scary as it is for parents, giving your child that freedom, it is helping you and her because she can practice it at yeah. the safety of her home. Mm-hmm. Instead of one day they are going to leave, the reality is that they are going to leave. What are you going to do? Mm-hmm. Now, because they have all this freedom, then they get confused. They end up doing things that are not really right for them because it's like, hey, freedom is here. Mm-hmm. You only live once. But if they started around their home, when their friends say, but when are you so boring? It's like, no, no. I'm used to this. This is nothing new. I'm used to having my own freedom while I was staying with my mom. So it is, that's great. I love that, <laughs> that point.
0: <laughs> so, I mean, you you have a teen. Yes. And, yes, they have their own worlds and their own things happening. They've got school, they've got friends, they've got social media. Yeah. There's a lot happening, right? Um, sports, you name it. But, There's also a country that we live in. Yeah. How have you, if you have, how have you navigated conversations about what's actually happening in South Africa or in the world or, you know, the importance, for instance, when they get to the age of voting?
1: Yeah. You know, as... Sometimes you want to protect your kids, but the way things are, you can't. The only way to protect them is to have those conversations because the reality is that everyone is talking about it. They can hear how everyone is feeling hopeless. So you need to prepare them for the conversation. We've been talking about it, and I've been honest about where I am and how I'm feeling about everything. you know. But one thing I keep on saying to them is that That is why we need to vote. That is why as much as it might feel like it is not important, it might feel like what's the point of voting, but it does matter, especially now. And for all the parents who are out there, if you're not doing it for yourself, do it for your kids. You need to vote for your kids. They deserve the chance. Because I know that most of the people that I'm communicating with, people are feeling tired, they are feeling hopeless and most of them is like it doesn't matter, why should I vote? But I keep on saying to them, it matters, mm-hmm. it matters, we have to vote, even if, you know what, you have to go and check all the parties, there must be something we are not looking for a perfect one, but there must see, there must be something that resonates with you mm-hmm. because staying and not voting, that is part of the problem. Mm-hmm. And for the parents who have teenagers, who have Teenagers who are able to vote, please take them because for them, they might not understand the importance. Then it is on us to go with them, accompany them on the day, and make sure that they are registering now. They can even do it online. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely. And if you don't know about that, you can go on to the IEC website and be able to register um, for voting online. So you can check that out, please, please, please. Um, for people who are first-time voters, for people who have just turned 18, <laughs> like yeah. my daughter, um, if you've moved, yeah. be, be sure that you're registered within your new area so that when it's time to vote, you are all set. Now, for any parents who are watching or listening to this conversation and feel, okay, actually, I think I want to make a change in the relationship that I have with my child or my children, where do they begin? You start by acknowledging your mistakes. Mm.
1: You cannot work on something that you do not want to acknowledge. So you need to identify where do you feel that you have gone wrong. Then apologize to your kids. And I know that for us, that was such (laughs) a concept that was unheard of. But there is something when you apologize to your, to your kids, you are making them fa- feel that I do matter. Mm-hmm. My feelings matter. And that is going to help them how they show up outside. Mm-hmm. You know, So apologize to them. And then give both of you the grace and the patience to know that it's going to take time for them to trust you again, for them to open up. Mm-hmm. And it's also going to take time for you to unlearn. It mm-hmm. took years for you to be that person, Mm -hmm. it's going to take years again for you to be the person that you want to be. But every time you make a mistake and you feel like, oh, I'm going back to that old person, Mm -hmm. acknowledge and apologize and also forgive yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, you need to celebrate the small wins, those moments where you're like, okay, today my child answered and instead of me throwing them with a shoe, I was able to go out. That is a win you know, or you were able to call someone else and say, hey, please come and take this child. That is a win. You need to celebrate that and give yourself patience.
0: Yeah. I love that. And I think it's so, so important also to remember that any steps that you take to improve yourself in order to positively benefit your relationships and especially your relationships with your children is that you have to build a different relationship with yourself. And that's going to require you to confront a lot of uncomfortable things. And it helps to be able to set yourself up with tools to be able to process those discomforts in a healthy way. So whether it's through therapy or through counseling or Joey's book, um, there's so many resources that are available for free online There's resources like the Panda Mental Health app that you can access as well, that has really great information. They have sessions um, that are live, sessions that are available that discuss different topics. Um, So if you want to get uh, the Panda app, just go into your app store and search Join Panda. The resources are there and they're there to help us begin to heal yeah. and reparent ourselves mm-hmm. so that we are, we, sh- we are healthier and that we show up better for ourselves and for the people that yeah. we love and care about. Because that's what our society actually needs yes. to be able to get out of the rut that we're currently in. Because it just feels like a downward spiral. Even when you go on social media and I left Twitter because I was just like, I I cannot. Yeah. I I cannot you know, just process yeah. Yeah. how much ugliness there is and people are just just throwing it everywhere, every second of mm, the day. Mm. And it tells us and it shows us consistently just how much healing is actually needed yeah you know so uh, you know i think it's so so important to take the initiative and to take the responsibility to do the work on yourself for yourself first mm. and then it'll benefit those around you be courageous
1: yes no i i completely agree with you because all of it it starts with us mm-hmm. you know and i always say to parents when you are busy seeing and saying that your kids are so wrong, they are what, what, sometimes the problem is that you have not started healing yourself, Mm -hmm. hence you are projecting all those things to your kids. So I agree with you, healing is not nice, but it is worth it.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Aye, it is messy. <laughs> <laughs> it's very messy. And I think it's also important to remember that it's 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 a journey. Yes, you know, it, yes. it, there's no end point. You're constantly just working on yourself. Um, but also, even in saying that it's the constant work, there's also huge value in resting because it's heavy work. And it you is. can't be doing it. All day, every day, all around the year, every year. It's not possible. You're going to drive yourself crazy. I love that, hey? And I
1: think you're the one who once said it, that... It's okay to disconnect. You don't have to be part of every conversation, mm-hmm. every battle, everything. And that resonated with me because I think sometimes, especially when you are in this space of healing and helping, you always want to be, ah, I'm the one. Hey, we need some. Yes, I'm there. So yeah. you saying that, it really resonated with me that there is power in taking a break, in saying no, and in saying Someone else can do it. Someone else can volunteer for today.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, with the work that I do, I often find it's gotten better now. But certainly, you know, for the first few years, any time there would be an issue that is related to the workplace or related to women, I would be tagged because I must comment. And there was a point where I was just like, actually... (laughs) I'm just going to ignore, ignore for my own peace. Yeah, because well. I'm not going to be part of every conversation. I don't have anything to contribute to everything. Um, or there are times where people will say, "Oh, this happens here. What do you think?" And I'll say, "I don't think." <laughs> <laughs> mm, I don't yeah. know. Yeah, because yeah. we can't. No, and being able to recognize that and leave room for us to just have stillness. It's so important.
1: It is, really is. Eh? And especially, I'm just thinking about you think, what you are saying that, no, I don't think, I can't think. <laughs> because I think also for parents, that is also important. There are days where my kids, I'm like, no, just for today. And I just need 30 minutes. I just need an hour mm-hmm. just to just think and be myself, no. No mommy, no Edward, I don't want any fights. So I think it's so important for parents also to understand that sometimes you need to chill. You, you can be, there are no super moms. No. Yeah. And there Absolutely. are no perfect children or perfect parents because I think sometimes that is what is making us so angry and exhausted because we want this idea of having perfect kids or being the perfect mom. There is no such. Perfection is overrated.
0: It doesn't even exist. And exactly. I think, I think for me, the even deeper than that yeah. is, is... So I, I see the, the the pursuit or the desire for perfection as more of a, a, a symptom of yeah. something else. And mm. the, for me, it's really rooted in control. Yeah. That sense of control because so many people find stability Mm. in Mm. being able to control their sphere of things yeah and so when your children stray from that when your life is not happening in the way that you wanted it to then you feel yeah uncomfortable you feel destabilized Mm. and that's what so many of us are challenged by in parenting our children because they are not following the script they don't they are not here for us Mm -hmm. they're here to challenge us (laughs) yeah to help us grow and I think it's such an important thing for us to review the way in which we view the role that our children actually play in our lives so for people who want to connect with you um, online or get in touch with you because they need support or to buy your book where can they get in touch with you okay
1: so is Joey Lamini on all social media platforms. Um on Instagram. Instagram, Twitter not so much, YouTube, yeah, and Facebook. And also my website is Joey Lamini. Thank you.
0: Awesome. Joey, thank you so much for your time and thank you so much for your work and I encourage everybody who is a parent, anybody who is planning to be a parent or is about to become a parent, please do connect with Joey on social media platforms. Please do get a copy of her book and be part of the conversations because there's so much that we can learn from each other um, because we really do need to learn from each other because there is no one size fits all. Mm. Um, There is no parent who knows it all and even in the space that we're in where we're more conscious than our parents yeah. were there's still a lot that we're constantly learning yes. um, because there's a theory of it and then there's a reality of your child hey i know and somewhere <laughs> you must find some kind of balance <laughs> so yeah that's it from us today thank you so much for joining me for another episode of the workplace revolution i will see you again next time